When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, Stars fans, it's Jeff Kay, public address announcer for your Dallas Stars, and you're listening to Starcastic Remarks, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Go Stars! Hello, and welcome back to Starcastic Remarks for the first edition of our Sunday night hour-long episode. Along with Chris and James, my name is Ryan. Welcome to the podcast episode. Thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook for being our sponsor. Go and use that promo code THPN the next time you are there. Uh, I, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. Uh, I was uh, just working on some stuff. I, I got some school stuff going on that I need to get going. And Chris texted me like probably 645 and said, you know, are we still doing this thing? And I was just like, I completely forgot. <laughs> but... Nonetheless, we're here, and we've got a lot of things to talk about to you guys with tonight, because thankfully we had already been kind of discussing some of this stuff, but uh, we'll get into that here in just one moment, but we just want to check in on Chris and James and see how y'all are doing. Are y'all doing okay today? Great. Um, yeah. I, I I am still very much sick, but I'm here. It makes your voice sound sexier, though, James, so we like it. It, it does make it sound a little deeper. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Can you do that real quick? Do it, James. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, it actually works pretty good. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. I I hate that you made me do that. (laughs) All right, moving on. Yep. Anyways, going on to our actual episode tonight. Here's what we got. Uh, We've missed a lot. We've missed quite a bit. Uh, Just because of the last month has been crazy. Uh, Busy boys. Yep. There's been some coaches being fired, some contracts terminated, uh, big players signing in places. Finally, uh, we no longer have to speculate about where that player is going. Um, a couple of trades, uh, some Calgary stuff, and then we'll get into some Stars stuff as well. Uh, we're going to get into the fact that the Stars are not drawing any calls in the NHL right now. What, what's going on with that? Uh, we're going to talk about Liam Bischel's decision to return to Europe starting, I believe, tomorrow. And probably won't be coming back until the end of March, middle of March, something like that. And then uh, we'll do a a quarterly check-in on the Stars and the rest of the teams in the NHL and see what's going on with them. And then we'll end with our Who Cares segment segment for the evening, which uh, it was not my idea. So if you don't like it, you can blame Chris and James for it because it was their idea. Actually, you can blame only James. This is not my idea either. It was still pretty good, though. It's okay. It's okay. All right, anyways, uh, two teams have fired their uh, coach. Uh, Dean Evison of the Wild is out. 
as well as uh, the Edmonton Oilers firing their court coach and uh, Jay Woodcroft. They bring in uh, John Hines for the Wild, and then for the Oilers, they bring in uh, Chris Knobloch, I believe is his name. Who He was the junior coach of Connor McDavid. And then uh, John Hines is no stranger to an NHL bench. He's the former NHL bench boss of the PCATs, the Nashville Predators. So no surprise of him getting the job there. But two teams who are underperforming, according to their general managers. Uh, the Oilers have kind of been up and down a little bit, more up than down. But the Wild uh, have won three in a row since firing their coach. So... Uh, what do you make of those situations there? D- is it the right decision? Uh, what What's y'all's thoughts on either one of those teams right now? I don't know. I think the Wild are doing pretty good for how bad of a hockey team they have, honestly. I mean, they got two players who can score goals on that team. That's it. They got Zuccarello, and they got that Russian guy, whoever got his name right now. Please help me. Kaprizov. Kaprizov. Thank you, sir. And then after that, they're like, all right, we're just going to uh, hit you and punch you in the face, and that's going to work. And obviously that doesn't work because no other teams in the entirety of the NHL are currently trying that. So it's not working crazy. And when your two scoring guys don't have crazy good career years, then you don't get any goals. Also, who would have thought? I think that's pretty obvious. And your goalie finally cools off. So you are no longer a wildcard team. Instead, now you are what you actually should be and you suck. Thumbs up. (laughs) I just don't know. I, I don't know about I, I think the wild decision was the right thing because yes, I agree with you, Chris, that they're they're still not that good. They should not be like that, but they shouldn't be this bad, right? And the and one of the one of the arguments is you can't go out and fire 23 guys and get 23 new guys. So the easiest thing to do, like you have mentioned in the past, Chris, is just to fire the coach, just to kind of kick the yeah. guys in the pants and say, Hey, you're next if you don't put it together. I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. I'm just saying I don't think it'll do anything. This is kind of where I was expecting the Wild to be, and I think this is just the first step in them tearing down the terrible hockey team that they've built and trying to rebuild it around Kaprizov before he leaves. Yeah, I mean, they're they're kind of just handicapped by those buyouts that they had a couple years back. Yep. And I believe they will get out of those in 2025 or 2026. I forget which year it is. I thought it was earlier, but I guess not. Um. Now, on the other side, uh, the Oilers have been playing a lot better as of late. And one of the things that I didn't agree with was them firing their coach there. I thought that was, I mean, it, it's not on the head. It wasn't on Woodcroft at all. He, he actually had a really good record uh, with the team. And instead of the it, the wild firing their head coach was more of a kick in the pants to the players. It was a wake-up call to the players. For the firing of the head coach in Edmonton, I think that was more of a move for Ken Holland to try and save his job. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, he has not done a good job, uh, and especially the problem continues to be goaltending. Um, Jeff Skinner, or Jeff Skinner, excuse me, uh, Stuart Skinner cannot save a puck to save his own life, for lack of a better term. And they sent Campbell down to the AHO where, yeah, he's looked better. There are some rumors that he's probably going to get called up here in a couple of days or so. But uh, their third guy, Calvin Pickard, I guess they just don't really don't trust him enough, which I find crazy considering you can't trust any of your goaltending right now. At least give him a little bit more starts just to see if maybe he can save something and give you average goaltending because that's all you really need. 
all you really need is average goaltending. And especially when uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are starting to pick up their point totals again. So, I, I mean, I, I'm just not convinced that it's goaltending over there. I mean, if you look, they have three different goaltenders go in and all three end up with the same save percentage over a span of like however many games. Like that's not at some point you have to say, OK, it's the defense, not the goaltending. I, I think that's definitely part of it, James. But you also if you're watching the goaltending, I feel like it's. It's definitely not good enough either. Well, I look mean, where the shots are coming from on most I of their agree. games. They're all in the slot. It feels like every team, every shot they take is in the shot. The defense definitely sucks, but the goaltending is not helping. And that's for and and that's where I think they're team, feeding. They're feeding off of each other. That's the worst. Yes, part. I mean that is one hundred percent. They're both think, bad, and they're just digging deeper and deeper into the hole. I think that hits the nail on the head. But I think really when you have such a top heavy team like this, all you're looking for is for a goalie to get hot for one year. Like if you have it, like Ryan said, if you have a decent goalie with the forward group that they have, they have a chance. And that's what happened the, uh, the year they went to the conference final. They got decent goaltending and that was all they needed. They needed a couple saves here and there and they can win a game six to five. And they're not getting anywhere close to that right now. So they have bad bad defense. I think that's going to be a given for this team unless they get rid of one of McDavid or Dreisaitl. So they got to try and compensate with some goaltending, but it's it's not working out. Which honestly, that might happen, especially if uh, Drysdale Drysdale is the first one with his contract up. I mean, I think he's up not this summer, but next summer. And if you go and you're you're not even in the playoffs this year, if I'm Drysdale, I want out, and I'm not re-signing with you. That yeah. that that I mean, you have two guys who are literally the two best players of their generation. And they've been one and two in the scoring race for like five years, basically. And you can't win a Stanley cup with them and you you, don't surround people. I mean, you don't even have to have like amazing guys around those two guys. They just have to have adequate, adequate, adequate defense, adequate goaltending. And that would probably win you a Stanley cup with the two best players in the world. And they haven't been able to do that. You talked about how bad of a job their GM has done. He's probably, like, if you think about it, he's probably done the worst job of any GM in the NHL. He had the two best players in the league fall into his hands. I mean, and the team still is terrible. That's that's pretty inexcusable. That's a pretty terrible job. It's a miracle he still has his job. If they don't make the playoffs, he'll he'll be fired, I'm pretty sure. And that brings me into my next question because Ardell over here talking about uh, Bill Guerin being on the hot seat. Um, I don't think he's on the hot seat because he's ingrained himself so much into that Minnesota Wild organization. I, he, he's signed players to long-term deals. He, if if you're the Minnesota Wild organization ownership, you're just you're just gonna dig in your heels and and go with it because you've you've given all of these guys long term contracts. So that's my opinion on Bill Guerin. I don't think he's on the hot seat to be honest with you. Now Ken Holland, absolutely one hundred percent. If if you don't make the playoffs this year, you're you're fired. Maybe even if if you make the playoffs as a wild card team and you get swept or you lose in the first round, I think you're fired. Either way, because that he has not done a good job with this team and getting. Surrounding those two guys, Dreisaitl and McDavid, with the pieces that they need to succeed, they he just had they haven't he has not done that. Ken Holland has not. Yeah, I, I think Garen should be on the hot seat, but he's not. I agree, <laughs> but he should be. 
I, I really don't think he's done that bad a job, to be honest with you, because he's, he's got some decent players, but... Some, I don't you know. mean two? He does have two good players. You're right. Mar- Marco, no. Marco Rossi is still pretty good, too. It just, he's mm. just, it's taken him a while to come around, and he's he's a first-line center now. He's done pretty well. but I think that I wild had... team is really bad. I think it's much worse than 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 you're saying. I don't, I don't think they're playing bad, is honestly what I'm saying. I don't think the wild team is playing below their level. I think this is their level, is 8 and 10 so far this season. I just think it's not a good hockey team. See, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think they're better than the record says. Now, are they, are they a premier contender in the NHL right now? No, absolutely not. But I mean, they, they have to be better than eight and ten. They have to be better I, than eight. I and 10. That's just my opinion, and that's fair. That's fair. And and I can abs, I can absolutely, uh, you see why you would say that. Okay. Okay, uh, we got to talk about, uh, th- let's move on to the next thing, because this thing kind of blew out of proportion, kind of came out of nowhere, was ridiculous. And uh, the the whole Corey Perry situation, uh, we, we still don't have any details about it. It was like two weeks ago that they pulled him out of the lineup and they said it was an organizational decision. And... Then there come some rumors coming out that he there was some inappropriate conduct. There was a, a statement released by the Blackhawks. And apparently it was bad enough to the point that it was enough to terminate his contract. So he is no longer a member of the Chicago Blackhawks, which is crazy to me. The fact that whatever it is caused well, him to lose his job. Perry so released the, a statement, and he, he was talking about how it was about alcohol abuse. So that is most likely that's what happens. He showed up somewhere drunk. Yeah, that would be my guess too. And that it reminded me a lot of the Jim Montgomery situation and why he lost same, his honestly. job. It felt the exact same way. So I don't think it was as bad as as some people were trying to make it out to be. Obviously, there's nothing criminal involved, which is good because I do like Corey Perry as as a person, and he was a good player for the Stars while he was here. It, it it just really sucks uh, about the situation there in Chicago and how he lost his job and stuff. Uh, any thoughts on the whole Corey Perry situation? And Yeah, a lot more of the, the hullabaloo was coming from the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks were the organization saying that this player acted immorally, like the most immoral organization with their whole scandal and attempted cover-up as well. Um, so that's kind of what sent it berserk and then of course just fully on un, uh unfounded rumors which <laughs> it's kind of hilarious how uh everyone just started a rumor just because it's kind of funny but then it did obviously go a little bit too far so but yeah just a weird situation just for me it went way too far way 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 too far and i, I mean it and Honestly, this I'll, this is kind of within the same realm of this context. But he was uh, Connor Bedard was asked a question about those rumors in Winnipeg, like not even like two days after Corey Perry was let go by the team and his ter- his contract was terminated. And I was like, dude, I understand you're trying to do your job and ask questions about that and try and find stuff, but. Can you give the kid a little bit of a break? No, it's not like he's a thirty-year-old. He's eighteen. He is eight. He's younger than all of us. He is 
18 years old. It doesn't even matter his age. It's bad. It's bad reporting to ask a question about a rumor that has no foundation. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a, a big rumor or not. It's, 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 it's a stupid asking question about something that has no foundation. And, and I had, I had no dog in the fight and it ticked me off. The fact that that question was even asked. And you could you could see that uh, Bedard was obviously hacked off about the question as well. But you know, hats off to him. He he still answered the question. <laughs> I would have been like, just no comment. Uh, yeah. I want you out of here. See you later. <laughs> yeah, I would have gone clown joke on him. That's a clown joke, bro. Yeah. So, but anyway, the, the whole Moving situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole situation was sucked. It's terrible. Hopefully. Uh, Corey Perry gets the help that he that he needs, and uh, we never have to hear something about this again. Okay, uh, while we were away and not doing these hour-long episodes, excuse me, uh, Patrick Kane finally made his decision, and he has signed with uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Red so, Wings. the Red Wings. The, the Red, Red Wings. Wings. Sorry, I'm tired. It's the Red like Wings. Baby. That's crazy. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like my babies had a uh, had a fever like last night or something like that and kept me up kept me up late or something. But anyway, um, so all of the rumors kind of go out the out the door with him coming to Dallas, which is kind of a nice thing. We talked about this for a long time. It actually seemed like the and not some of the rumors I saw that his preferred destination was actually Dallas, but there 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 was no room for him. With the contract that he signed, there's no way that the Dallas would have been able to afford that. He signed for $2.75 million, which prorated for the season since he's missed the first 20 games of the season. It's a little over $2 million. So there's no way Dallas would have been able to afford that. But um, what do you think about his decision to go to the Red Wings? Because he talked about the fact that he wanted to go to a Stanley Cup contender. Obviously... He had to balance that with, you know, with money. Obviously, money always has to be a decision here. But do you really think that the Red Wings are a playoff team this year and that they give him a chance to win the Stanley Cup this year? Well, I kind of want to take this from the other side. I think it's a great deal for the Red Wings. Man, you're having me doing it too. The Red Wings is a, is a great move for them. I mean, they get the some, Wed uh, Rings. The Wed the, Rings. The Wed Rings. Yes. The Wed Rings. Deal for the Wed Rings. And because they add the. Uh, you frazzled me. They they add the uh, playoff talent or the playoff experience that their team doesn't really have. And this is the team has definitely taken a jump to the start of this year. And if they can get Kane to come in and kind of be a solid backbone, something that the younger players can kind of lean back on and to push them forward when they get in their slumps, that would be exceptional for them to keep this momentum going throughout the rest of the year, stay in one of those top three spots in the Atlantic. And I mean, that's the best division i mean if they can do good there they're lining up for a good chance in the playoffs really yeah and it and it works out because kane already knows some players on the team as well i mean so it, it all kind of he has familiar faces there it's an up-and-coming team who could kind of have i mean this is kind of what you're looking at with new jersey last year you're looking at maybe a cinderella run deep into the playoffs that's what you're looking for yeah, but the difference between the Devils and the Red Wings is you could very seri- see early on that the Devils were going to be a top team in their division. I mean, I think that was like, what, 17 games in a row early on really that they won? Start. A really crazy hot start, and then they still were above 500 for the rest of the season. 
Um, the Red Wings haven't really done that. I mean, I mean, they've been good. Don't don't get me wrong. They've been good, and they've got a good goalie rotation going through with their three guys, and they're a lot better than they have been the past half decade, seven years, however long it's been. But, I mean, does he really get them over the hump? Because he doesn't make them a Stanley Cup contender. He doesn't. But does he make them a playoff contender? Maybe. Maybe. I'll give him that. I think their structure of the season alone makes them a playoff contender. I mean, we we knew with... uh... We knew with New Jersey that their hot streak was kind of a one-off thing, too. Same with uh, Seattle as well. They got off to a really good streak, and we were kind of like, eh, this doesn't really look sustainable. With what Detroit is doing right now, it definitely looks and feels sustainable. It's not like they're just going on a crazy hot streak or scoring bunches of goals and somehow outpacing their poor defense. They, It looks like they've got all the tools, and it, like you said, it's not contender level yet. But it's it's coming together this year is what it feels like. It's the coming together of really a good hockey team, not just a flash in the pan is what it feels like. So that's why I think this is a little bit different than uh, maybe if you went to like New Jersey or something. Now, looking at the division, when you look at the Atlantic, uh, maybe I need to eat my weird words a little bit. Man, I'm having a hard time speaking tonight. Uh, they're third in their division right now. They're 13, 7, and 3. So that's that's better than I thought they were at. And I was just doing it based off of uh, what I'd heard from YouTube, from other other influences within the hockey world. But they're third in their division right now, and right now they're above the Maple Leafs, who were supposed to win the division, according to a lot of people, including myself. Ryan. So, yeah, I, I, I'm holding up to it. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, maybe I need eat my words a little bit. Um, looking at some of the other stats uh, that they've got, they're 6-2-2 two, and two in their last 10, so exactly like the Stars in the last 10 games. And uh, the thing that's really interesting is they have scored the most goals uh, than any other team in their division. They've got 86. And uh, I believe the Stars are at 79. So they've scored more goals than the, than, uh, the Stars have, which is, you know, that's really interesting considering that you've, you're just now adding a guy who can can absolutely score goals. He's probably more of a setup guy now. He's a great passer. But, uh, you know, maybe that makes them a little bit more dangerous than I was originally thinking, guys. Yeah, and I think the bigger thing more so is the, the veteran presence that he gives, which the Red Wings don't have. And now they do have that, which I think is important when you're going into the playoffs. So... Where do you think that let's make a prediction and then close this part of the segment? Uh, where do you think this puts them at the end of the season? Are they top three or are they wild card or are they out? I think they're pushing for a top three, but I think they're going to end up with the number one wild cards. That's kind of what I'm assuming too, honestly. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to give them a wild card spot as well. Uh, I don't, think they're out of the playoffs. I don't I also agree with you, Chris. I think they'll push for a top three and they might get number three. But I, I just don't see the Maple Leafs getting a wild card uh in instead of the Red Wings. So but again we'll see. We we've seen crazier things this year uh with uh this NHL. So okay um anyways uh we, we got a lot of Calgary Flame stuff to talk about because one <laughs> 
for some reason, uh, the Stars can't seem to defeat this team, yet this team seems to be in all of the trade rumors because it looks like they're going to tear everything down. So we got to discuss this. Uh, obviously, the first domino fell with uh, Nikita Zadorov being traded to Vancouver. Everyone's freaking out, guys. He's not a top four defenseman. He is definitely an NHL defenseman, but he's best suited for a third pairing defenseman. So there, there were some Dallas Stars people, some fans who were saying, "Oh, we should have gotten, we should have gotten him for that." And I'm like, I mean, there, there were some people saying he was going to get like a first round pick uh, when he got traded. I was like, no, absolutely not. He got, I think they traded him for a third and a fifth, and that's what they got. So, but, um, the other thing is, is Calgary has, if you go and look at, uh, Chris Johnson, who is actually now a writer for, uh, the athletic, he, that's a, a new job that he just recently got on his, uh, trade board he, that he just recently released at the top. He's got four players that are all from the Calgary flames. So it, it, it's crazy to to think that a team that, possibly has been doing better lately who actually might have a chance at like a wild card and four other guys are on top of chris johnson's trade board so let, let's let's put it at this it, do you think that the stars would go after any of those guys uh that are talked about uh whether it be you know hannafin uh tana which seems to be a really popular one right now with a lot of people around the league or even Elias Lindholm, or anything like that. Uh, what do you think about all of this news coming around the Calgary Flames? I think they'd be crazy not to go after a defenseman, and it seems like the majority of the solid defense guys that could play a a, a three, four, five, six kind of role are those Calgary guys that we were talking about. But it's going to be tough for the Stars to to get a guy like that just because we're going to have to have them retain something. The Stars have no space. There's no space left, or we have to trade somebody away, which is definitely not what we want to do when we have what we feel like is a really good team. But when we get to our next segment about Lundqvist and how much or little he is trusted right now with this coaching staff, it, it feels like we have to get something to, to be a number six guy at least. Uh, who would you rather like to see if the stars do go after somebody from Calgary, because in my mind, it's got to be a defenseman. It's not Lindholm. Lindholm's not coming to the stars because we just don't have room for that. But the whole Noah Hannafin one is kind of interesting to me, but I also think he wants to be someplace for long-term. So I don't think that's an option for the stars. I don't think they want to have somebody on the books for a really long time. They've already got Essa, and they've already got uh, Mira Haskinen for long term. But the Chris Tanev one really actually it intrigues me a lot. But if it intrigues me a lot, it intrigues a lot of other people a lot as well. So uh, t- a, a trade for Tanev would be, my personal opinion, the better move by Jim Nil. But since we're talking about it, Jim Nil's not going to do it. <laughs> He's going to have something else up his sleeve that... He's not going to talk about for the longest time and we'll be surprised when he makes a, a move for a defenseman. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think Tanev would be the best option of the guys from Calgary, especially after the game he played against us the other night. He looked fantastic. Yeah, what, What's kind of crazy to me is that between all the people on the Flames, I still see Lindholm 
as a more likely option to get on our team than any other defenseman that people are talking about. So that's why? interesting. Because so why? Cause you trade yeah. Foxa the other way and it the cap stuff kind of works out a little bit and it makes sense at least a little bit for Calgary if you send stuff back the other direction. Yeah, but the only problem is is that you've got it. If you're Dallas, you don't need offense. Yeah, anymore. but but if you're saying Lindholm for Foxa specifically, I mean, you're taking that, right? <laughs> yeah, but Lindholm think... also wants an extension for a really long time for outrageous money. That, that, compared that's to well, what that's not what I, I'm, not, James I'm not is saying a rental. that at all, though. Like, yeah. James rental, wants a rental. Yes, specifically. Yeah, okay, and I don't... make more sense. I think on paper, James, I think you're right. But what the coaching staff and what the franchise likes in Dallas is they like Foxa. That's kind of their guy. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, no, I agree. I just, th- I just think getting him is more likely than getting either of the other two defensemen because I mean, they're, we're going to, they're going to have, there's going to be so much demand on the, the other, other side guys. and you're going to have to give a lot more than you're willing to. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of, I mean, Ardell's comment there uh, is kind of what I, or not, not what I was thinking. So one of y'all brought it up, but, uh, Bixel, Bischel, however you say his name, him coming back late in the year and doing the exact same thing as Thomas Harley is a, a very viable option, I think, even still with him going to Europe. What a nice segue. So let's go ahead and move into that, shall we? Um, so Liam Bischel, it comes out that he has made the decision to return to uh, Europe. He And he has that ability to. He has a clause in his contract that allows him to do so. So there was a lot of, uh, for, for those, maybe I should say, put it this way first. For those of you who don't know who Liam Bischel is, Liam Bischel is a first round pick from 2022 or 2021. I forget which one it is. He's a very young guy, but he's a very promising guy. Like he's huge. He's like 6'5", 230, 220, something like that. And he's being seen as a puck moving guy. He can skate really well. And there is even some uh, speculation as to whether he would even make the stars this year. Uh, There were some scouts that even said, you know, if he was a prospect for some of the lower teams in the NHL, like, you know, in Anaheim or Chicago or something like that, he would have been on the roster this season. Like right now he would be on the NHL roster this season, but because of the depth that the stars have when it comes to some of their prospects on both sides uh, of forward and defense, and I'm, and we have good depth all across the organization. That's hats off to Jim Nell for that. But a lot of people were upset at his decision to go back to Europe because they've there's a lot of people that say like uh, over here Ardell saying it sucks he went back to Europe. Uh, there's a, a softer game over there. Uh, Max Fortunas, who is the one of the assistant coaches for the Texas Stars, Philip Bischel and Cedar Park. So, um. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I'll let y'all talk about your feelings about this first, and then I'll, I'll let y'all know what how I feel about it. But what's your feelings on his decision to go back to Europe? It's definitely super interesting. Um, first off, on a human level, he's, how old is he, 19, 18? He's somewhere around there, and he, he is trying to play professional hockey in a brand-new country for the first time ever. I mean, that is a huge culture shock a huge just mental emotional toll on you to, and this to is ch- not like a, a canada to united states thing because yeah this is much that, that's bigger not stuff. that's not as big a change 
as it is from literally overseas to coming over here. I mean, it, it's very different for those guys. Yeah, I, I bet he does speak some English, but probably not super well either. But yeah, overall, as a person, it's a tough thing to do. Um, but as for his career-wise, he probably, if he had stayed here, and if there was an injury on defense, he would have been the next one up. So he's pretty much sacrificing an NHL debut to go back and play in Sweden, which is, or, or where's he going? Finland? That's Sweden. I don't know. Sweden? Yeah. yeah. So Sweden. He, he's sacrificing yes, a lot to go back home. And like I said, human element, that makes sense. Professionally, that's, that's a risk. Hey guys, it's Ryan here. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. For some of the money line odds for the games tomorrow on the 15th, the Flyers and the Hurricanes, the Flyers have a plus 210, the Hurricanes have a minus 258. You can also take a look at the Kraken and the Oilers, two of the bottom feeders of the Pacific. The Kraken had a plus 154, the Edmonton Oilers at a minus 185. And then you've got also the high-flying Canucks against the Islanders. The Canucks are at a minus 155, and the Islanders are at a plus 130. Download the app now and use the code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. All rights reserved. I mean, part part of the issue right now is like, even if we wanted to call him up, someone would have to get hurt for an extended period of time, not just yes, be hurt for a week or two. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's kind of tough to when you're not playing in the top league. You're playing in the AHL, and yes, it's still a very, very tough league. But I mean, he he can go play in the SHL and kind of get at least some of the same. I mean, he's playing against older people in the SHL. That's the that's the like he's not going back to like a junior league. That's kind of the nice thing about it. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's definitely better than if he was playing in a junior league. I agree with that. But I, I think Ardell's point of the different ice is definitely a big deal. I think. And just not being with the organization that's trying to develop you is is also a big deal. Part of it for me too is like he's going to be back in March. It's like it's five months. Like yes, it's a, it's tough, but like he's likely he is not going to play. I mean, regardless, he's likely not going to play in the NHL. And in terms of like mental for that, uh, 
yeah, I kind of wouldn't want to be back home. So, yeah, fully it, it, would, see it. It, it would be a much bigger risk this year to bring up Bixel at, at the end of the year, same way as Harley, than it was for Harley. Harley mm-hmm. kind of, we knew he was, or you could tell knew. he was ready. Jim Nill knew he was ready. He yes. knew he had that ace in his sleeve. This one, it's kind of like it could be an ace, it could be a two. We're not for sure. So, m- much riskier. I, I think a lot of people were upset by his decision, but guys, I, I mean, we, t- we talked about it at the top of this. I think this is more of a really young kid who feels like he doesn't have a shot to make the big leagues, and he just wants to go back home. That's really what I, th- I think it boils down to. I don't think this is... And I really don't think this is such a big deal as some people are making it out to be. I, I think some people are overanalyzing this and saying that this is going to hurt his development and it's going to inhibit his ability to make the NHL sooner. If he's a good player, he's a good player and he's going to make the NHL. That's just bottom line what's going to happen, no matter how he does it. Is the ice different? Yes. But there are lots of players who have been able to deal with that transition very easily. Kaprizov is a perfect example of that. He was in the KHL for years. And everyone was like, oh, well, he's going to come over and he's going to really suck it up. Well, he didn't. (laughs) Uh, And he's been the Wild's best player for three years now. So I just don't... I think it's too early to freak out about this. It's literally a kid who wants to go back home. That's all it is. That's what I'm putting it down towards. I agree. It is just still because he he's our number eight defenseman is really what it is. If there was an extended injury, someone goes on the injury reserve, he would have been it, and he would have been played probably too over Hanley. So it's it, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting decision. It's weird. Well, that's interesting to look at. Um, I wonder if there would be anybody else who would get called up above him. Let me look at Cat Friendly real quick and see. And that that might have been another discussion that was had. Like maybe he was looking at it and he was like, "Yeah, I, I, I would stay if I would get called up if there was an injury." And they might have told him, "Hey, we're not going to call you up. We want you to be developed further before we even really give you a shot up there." And maybe that led him to making that decision. The stars were ready for that too, and they want to make sure he's developed before trying to bring him in, which is. As well. We just don't know those behind-the-scenes conversations, and I think those kind of have a lot more ramification on this than we really give it credit for. It's not like he just called up Daniel and said, hey, I'm going back to Sweden. I bet there's a lot more discussion than just that. Yes. Um, You know, I'm looking at the depth chart for the Stars right now, and there are some other guys that I think would get called up before before he would. Now, is he playing more minutes than some of the guys that would get called up first at the uh, at the Texas Stars level? Then yes, uh, I, I think he he is he would be. But I mean, you've still got Gavin Bayreuther, who is a fringe NHL defenseman. He is a fill in. That is exactly what he is. Uh, you've got uh, Petrovic as well, who who is thirty one years of age down there, and then you've even got Derek Pouliot, a uh, former Oiler who also could be a, in there as a as a fill-in, though. Oh, okay. mm. Ardell's like telling me that Gavin Bayreuth was hurt. Okay, well, either way, uh, e- either I, way, I, I still think that uh, Poyat or uh, especially uh, 
Petrovic would get called up before Bishop would if we were really that desperate. Uh, I don't agree with that, but whatever. That's fair. No, that's fair. I, so. I don't think you would call up. I, I feel like you'd rather call up somebody who has potential to make the NHL than someone who's going to play their career in the AHL. I mean, we've seen Petrovic up when we've needed him. I He has played in, with us before, I believe, hasn't he? Maybe that I was his preseason. So. I can't remember. I think it's just preseason. He's an AHL guy. So I, I think there's much more upside of giving someone a shot, especially when we're solidly in a playoff spot and stuff like that. So, mm, Well, that's just how I feel on the, on the whole thing uh, with, with Bishel. But anything else about Bishel? It is no. interesting. It is very interesting, though. It's a very interesting thing to talk about. Okay, uh, moving on from that, uh, we need to talk about something that uh, James brought up to us right before we were going to come on the air, and it's actually very interesting. So, James, our statistician, you want to give us your statistician stuff that you were talking to us about? Uh, so, I was looking at penalties drawn again because last year around this time, I don't know if you all remember, but our power play was really, really good, and we were not getting any calls. And Turns out this year we're not getting very many calls either. Uh, I think for penalties drawn, we're like bottom five, bottom ten. And that's for a team that is fifth in the league and skates like crazy fast, has rope hands. I don't know how many penalties rope hands has drawn, but it definitely hasn't been as much as it looks like. Yeah, I think Mason Marchman's number one when it comes to drawing call, calls, but uh, I would put Roba Hands up there too, just based off of his speed alone. I, th- I think he draws a lot of calls for the team. But, I, I mean, this, this is something that I went into last year. I, I did an article about this specific thing last year, actually, and talking about whether it was something to do with DeBoer's system, since it was a new system. Maybe that's why you know, we weren't getting any of the calls or anything like that, but that wasn't the case looking at the numbers is is the fact that if anything, it was actually quite the opposite. When you look at uh, DeBoer coach teams in the past, they've been top 10 in the NHL when it comes to drawing calls. So here's what I'm putting it up to. What I'm putting it up to is still that other than last game, I think the stars are not pressing enough and they're not getting a, enough offensive zone pressure. That's kind of what I'm I'm thinking why we don't get enough calls uh right now and eventually it kind of evened itself out last year. I think we were in the middle by the end of the year, but especially at the beginning of the season James, you were exactly right. It was very similar situation I, to that. I I kind of chalk it up to it's going to swing back the other way just like it did last year. Uh and when that happens, hopefully we'll get a bunch of really good power play goals and we can just have some free games for it. But we'll see. It's still annoying. It sucks. And you can it's definitely still annoying. Like the past five games has felt bad. And maybe it's just me, but has it felt like the power play has not been as dominant this year as it was last year? Uh, the last the couple of games, it has been. That's definitely true That's to the start, of. but it's played a lot better recently, and it's played better, and we're not getting chances. I mean, the past five games, I think, I think the other team has had more more power plays. I think in the span since the weekend where we scored the one power play goal against Winnipeg and then, like, the four against Minnesota, I think we're, like, second in the league in that span in power play percentage. That's crazy. 
We did draw. We did jump from like, weren't we like twenty eighth? We or were. 29th? We were like twenty eighth, and now we sit like almost. I think we're up back up in the tens. Like top, not the top ten, but like upper teens, like 11, 12, 13, 14, something like that. No, we are sitting 10th right We're 10th. That's stupid. That's crazy. <laughs> Just goes to show you how crazy that one Minnesota game was. But, okay, anyways, I, I, I think that will be corrected itself, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, interesting over here, Ardell. We don't get enough calls because the refs are poor. Uh, I've heard Bruce Levine say there's a lot of young officials in the league. And, you know, that kind of makes sense. Now that I'm thinking about it, there have been a lot of officials uh, in years past, uh, especially the last two or three or four years, that have retired. So that that's that I could see that being uh, being something that could be We need some investigative reporting out there. <laughs> the, right. the, the problem is, like, there's a difference between the officiating being poor and the officiating being poor for one specific team. Yeah, that's what that's <laughs> that's, what that's the about. difference. I mean, it, it's it it feels like within games right now, it's like the refs are against the stars. Like in how, how, in the lightning game, the penalties were like what five to two, yeah. and we won the game eight to one. Yeah. How does the top five team in the league be the one that draws the least amount of calls? How's the top it's, ten it's, offense draw the least amount weird. of calls? It's weird. It's weird. No All. Across the board, honestly. Hey, James, who are the other teams at the bottom of that category when it comes to like minor penalties drawn or whatever? Uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, the New York Islanders, Toronto Maple Leafs, St. Louis. That's the bottom so, six. So nobody's close to as good as us. Well, all of those teams are playoff. Well, are, are either no, playoff teams? <laughs> yes, they, Washington I is. Think, I think Toronto I, is. Also, yeah, the, the Islanders are. Standings right recently. <laughs> It's 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 really weird right now. None of the none of the penalty stats make sense. Fair enough. So I thought that was interesting, James. That was a very interesting stat to bring up. I'm glad uh, you you got that. So and it allowed us to complain about the referees, our favorite. Yeah. Thing to do. Yes, one of our favorite things to do because you know the refs are always right. Right. Um. Anyways, moving on. Uh. Nils Lundqvist. It seems like we talk about this uh, quite a bit, even on our AGRs. The uh, Saad came out with an article for The Athletic and talking about Nils Lundqvist. And the whole Nils Lundqvist thing is baffling to me. Some Some argue and say he's not getting enough ice time. Some argue and say that he's having to to play with players that are not as good as he is, and that's why he's uh, struggling. But he's uh, Saad came out and said that this scratching by DeBoer of Nils Lundqvist felt different than what it was last season. So, like, Nils Lundqvist didn't play at all, basically the last month of the season, and then he never touched the ice in the playoffs because Thomas Harley got called up. So... Do you agree with him? And what's the deal with Lundqvist at this point? What does Saad mean by different? Um, that's that's interesting. But he he just said it felt like this is this is he, he's not like trying to develop anymore. He's trying to be a regular okay. in the lineup. So, 
So here's my problem with Nodcast right now. He this is his third year where he's started this the season on an NHL team. First time is with New York. He played how many games? 25 games. And then they took him out and they put him in the AHL for the rest of the season. And then last season with Dallas, three separate times he hit the 20 game mark and fell off a cliff. And he comes in this season, hits the 20 game mark and falls off a cliff. Like what? I don't know. I don't understand. Is there like a mental block there or what's going on? The problem I have was still not playing. So when when we trade for Lundqvist, we we knew exactly what we were doing. We were saying, hey, this guy's pretty much a first-round pick. We want to develop him like he's a first-round pick. And he would be better than what we would get at the end of the first round, which is what we would have done. Um, the, the problem is with with just treating him like he's a normal, regular in the, in the lineup. And if he's bad, okay, well, we're just going to take him out. Is You're not developing him anymore. When you signed his contract to be one way, he's an NHLer, you still have to develop him. I mean, we knew that going into it. So the fact that, yes, he hasn't been playing good enough, especially the past, I'd say, five to eight games. He hasn't been good enough. You still have to play him because you have to develop him. He's not going to develop on the bench. So you either find a way to get him to the AHL, which isn't going to happen, or you play him, even if he's not the best option. And I think, especially when the team is as good as it is, you, you still have to get him in the lineup. You have to develop him as a player. That's the only way we're going to be able to get a full defensive core is with Lundqvist playing well, and we have to find a way to get him to play well. And not playing him isn't going to do it. If this is a one-time uh, sit and time out, then sure, I get it. But I, I think we need Lundqvist for this team to be as good as it can be. Uh, one of the things that you talked about in the article, guys, is the fact that he he's been taking a lot of penalties as of late. That was one of the things that Saad mentioned in the article. And you could look at Hawk and Paw especially and say he takes a lot of penalties as well, right? But the problem with with uh, Lundquist, at least from Pete DeBoer's standpoint, is it seems like there's nothing to counteract his those penalties and those bad play, right? For Hawk and Paw, he's one of the best penalty killing defenseman in the NHL. I mean, that's why the the Stars have the second best penalty kill in the NHLs is partly because of him and partly because of Essa. So one of the things that they uh, that the article was saying is just the fact that Lundqvist is taking too many penalties and not just taking too many penalties, but taking penalties at the wrong time. Yes, and I Fair? 100% agree. I think he has not been good enough, and I agree with that totally. If he was a normal... 28-year-old defenseman who should be good, I I agree with you 100%. But we signed him with a one-way deal. We knew what we were getting into. We knew he wasn't a fully formed NHL defenseman, and we still signed him to an NHL contract where we can't send him down. Uh, I, I think if you're going to do that, you have to take – if you're going to take that risk, you have to take some of the punishment. I mean, I I, I get the idea that we need to try and win every game, and, and I, I agree with that to a point, and that point is Lundqvist. <laughs> I think with Lundqvist, you have to do it a little differently, at least until he's proven that he absolutely can't, which maybe that's this, maybe that's Pete DeVore's line because he has played five to eight games not playing well, and maybe that's final straw, And in which case that's fair, but you just cost yourself a first-round draft pick for nothing at that point, and I think you got to keep him down. You either keep him down or you keep playing him is, is what I'm going to say is my final point. 
the the only other thing as to why people are all frustrated about the fact that Nils Lundqvist is not getting enough playing time is exactly what you mentioned, Chris, is the amount that Jim Nils spent to get him, right? He spent a first-round draft pick, and that's insane because Jim Nils doesn't part with his first-round draft picks, right? Like, ever. I think that's the only time in the time he's been with the Stars, which has been almost a decade, that he's traded a first-round draft pick for basically a, a prospect that may or may not make it right so that's why a lot of people are frustrated but you also have to look and this is something they mentioned in the article you have to look at it from a pete DeBoer's standpoint last year i i would understand your argument chris because the stars were expected to make the playoffs but they were in that second tier of teams right they're a second tier of teams that they could make some damage in the playoffs. And a lot of people viewed them as, as, as such. They didn't view them as like a Stanley Cup contender, but they were definitely there. They're definitely a playoff team. This year is different. You go to the final four in the playoffs last year. You get talked about all offseason about how great of a team you are, how much of a Stanley Cup contender you are. And at this point, your job, if you're Pete DeBoer, is to win games. You are not a development coach. Yeah. Like say the Arizona Coyotes are okay, which Ardell Ardell mentioned. So there is a, there is a certain line that that falls between at this point, that line did not exist last season. That line exists now. And Pete DeBoer found that line. Lundquist is behind it. Okay. You're scratched. I'm putting in Hanley. And that's a really good point. Kind of showing the difference between Jim Nill's job versus Pete DeBoer's job. I mean, Jim Nill makes that trade trying to make the best hockey team possible. And if Lundqvist pans out, it's an amazing move. And Jim Nill's probably pushing Pete DeBoer to keep playing him. But that's not Pete DeBoer's job. Pete DeBoer's job is to win hockey games right now. And I think that's a really good point, Ryan. Um, And you're kind of making me lean towards that side. But what that really is making me do is say, okay, then we get rid of Lundqvist. Like, for cash considerations is what I'm saying. I mean, what's the point of keeping Lundqvist on the team if he's not good enough to be played? He's just taking up cap space at that point. That's kind of where my new opinion lies. The the other thing is that that's kind of it's kind of helpful for Lundqvist is with Bischel leaving and going back to the SHL and going back to Europe. There's there's not really another guy that you can look at and say is better than Lundqvist. Like as as good as Petrovic yeah. probably is, and as good as Poyat is, as you know, filling guys, I still don't think they're better yeah. than those Lundqvist up at the. I agree with that. I think. I think in that case, that's when you're looking at when there's the opportunity to do the three way trade, then you do it. So you get rid of Lundqvist to try and make more cap space for whatever other defenseman you're bringing in. That's kind of where I'm getting to. What I just don't want to do is I don't want us to keep Lundqvist and pretend that he's going to get better by not playing, which is what I kind of feel like happens. So we, it, you, you kind of convinced me that he shouldn't be playing. Then we need to get rid of him, is my opinion. But I hate that because I like Lundqvist. <laughs> so, so, okay, Ardell again. So do you think at, do you think we need to cut our losses? Is this another honk yeah. and, and And that's what sucks is like, I think he will be a good NHL player, but your point, Ryan, which I, you have swayed me towards is that it, it doesn't matter for us if he will be a good NHL player. What matters for us is, is he a good NHL player right now? And the answer to that's no. 
we're we're in our window right now where we need to be winning. And and a majority of the time sorry, go ahead. Maybe you test the waiver market and you try and get him down there. And if it doesn't work, he's not gonna free up cap space. There's no way he makes it through. I agree. But I don't think he should be on the NHL roster if he's not gonna play. And and maybe that's a risk you're willing to take to to free up some cast space so that you can go after a guy like Chris Tanev, I guess. Maybe that's yeah, something that, you could that, look that, at eventually later in the season. But that, that's kind of where uh, you can. That's interesting. <laughs> so that it's a it's an even weirder situation now in my head. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Yeah, we we did not make it any better. We just made yeah, ourselves more so confused. much worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, let's get to our who cares segment uh, for the evening, guys. Uh, James, this was your idea, so uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce it and tell it to our uh, people on the internet here, uh, what we're going to be talking about for our top three who cares. We are doing condiment packets, but specifically like the little squeezable ones. So not like the little containers, so Chick-fil-A sauce out of here, you know, barbecue sauce out of here. And and that's the big one that gets eliminated. All Chick-fil-A sauce that's being eliminated is a key feature, at least for me, because they would all be top three. (laughs) <laughs> Which is why I, I, speci- I specified the packets. Okay. All right. Who's gonna? Well, James, it's your idea. So you started us off. Number three. Uh, my number third. I'm going to go with soy sauce packets. Ooh, uh, that's a good one. I uh, suddenly really started liking white rice for no reason, and soy sauce is absolutely amazing with white rice. So no way. Soy James sauce. likes bland food. That's that's a shocker. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Chris, you're number three. I okay. I have to preface this. Okay. Whataburger is still better, but my number three is In and Out spread packets. The I've, never spread. Had, I've never had that. Oh, it's so good. I like me some In and Out. Um, this is gonna. This is also. It takes me to another hot take. So the patty melt best fast food burger, but. A double-double is better than a double-meat Whataburger. And that's very controversial. And I feel I definitely feel like less of a Texan for that take. But that, that brings back around to in and out sauce packet being number third. <laughs> right, number third. I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit. I am going to Chick-fil-A, but I'm not doing any Chick-fil-A sauces. I'm doing their ketchup packets. Their ketchup packets are my number My three. guy just said because... Heinz ketchup, but, but somehow snuck Chick-fil-A in there. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's Heinz ketchup. It's nice because those packets are a lot bigger and I don't know. It's my number three. I like it. That's go for it. A travesty. So it's not a travesty. My number two is the salsa from Sonic because uh, because it reminds me of, you know, the little breakfast tacos and stuff. Breakfast burritos. The junior breakfast burritos that used to be a dollar. With with the salsas, I mean, perfect. It was picante, not just the normal hot sauce. I uh, Yeah, that one's pretty good. Chris, your number two? My number two, okay, this one is in a very specific situation, so you go, okay, so you're on on a drive. There's no Bucky's. No Bucky's is around, so you're in immediate need of, of a gas station. The more frequent version and smaller version of the Bucky's is the quick trip. Gotta love the quick trip. You stop into the quick trip, you get your go-to snack of a watermelon Red Bull, a buffalo chicken and cheese stick, and a chicken taquito. And with that, you go to their 
condiment little section and they get the little packets of Cholula hot sauce, the flavorful hot sauce with the iconic wooden cap. <laughs> and you put that in the chicken taquito and it makes it gourmet. It makes it wonderful. Cholula okay. Okay. So that, that, that was a long hot sauce in my fridge. It's the flavorful hot sauce, with the iconic wooden cap. All right. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Um, trying to think of my number. Uh, I'll just get this one as my number two. My number two. It's not anything, anything special or anything. It's just the fire sauce from uh, from Taco Bell. I love the fire sauce. You can put the fire sauce with anything. I eat it with the tacos, with my quesadillas, uh, anything, anything, and it makes it taste better. So I love the fire the sauce. Taco my number sauce two. with tacos. Riveting, James. Number Riveting, number yes. number first. All right, so my number first is my only basic one. It is just it's it's a honey packet. Okay, I really like honey. Um, it's it, I use it as a dessert whenever <laughs> whenever I don't get anything sweet. You're just shooting honey That's packets. Sweet. I'm shooting honey packets. That's oh, all man. I'm saying. I mean, honey's so good, man. I I don't know what else to say. Do you have honey packet in your pocket right now? Okay. Like emergency honey packet? No, but I do, I do have some like in my in my kitchen like three steps over okay hold on so look are we all so white that like when we have when we go to like a mexican restaurant and we have like extra tortillas that we put honey and butter on those no. tortillas and eat no it like i that? don't do that right only the you. ones from rosas <laughs> the rosas tortillas yes i will do yes that. i okay that's that's specifically what i was talking about is at rosas especially so that's i do that all the time at rosas because they always give you like is it like six or seven tortillas no matter what you know. get, they give me a oh, bag of them and I eat them. Yes, I love. I good roses. I'm going to roses tomorrow. That settles it. All right, Yo, we, my... had, we had roses today. So, ooh yeah, yeah. I gotta find where mine is. I don't know. Where... No, moving on. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. My number first is Taco Bell Diablo sauce. I think everyone does. Everyone know? Y'all might not know. Taco Bell, obviously, my favorite fast food restaurant. It is outstanding due to also its uh, price and deliciousness of said foods and new items, which I am a sucker for. You got something new. If it's on a like a sign in the window, I'm getting it every time, every single time. Especially Even McDonald's. I talk about. I've had the McRib, and th- I, I don't like it very much. They bring it back. They put it on the sign. All right. I and you still buy it. Body. That's just what happens. <laughs> I mean, I can't control it. The McRib just teleports from the sign to my mouth is what is what occurs. Anyway. Back to Taco Bell. Diablo okay, sorry, sauce. Hold on one second. What? Okay. So tell it, Lizzy, as a Hispanic, we love buttered tortillas with honey too. Okay. Let's I, go. I'm glad it's we not just a white person white. thing. Okay. Let's go. I'm glad it's not just a white person thing. Sorry, Chris. Continue. Um, Diablo sauce. Better than fire sauce. It's got the smokier flavor. Um, it's hotter, which I enjoy. And you need that to kind of cut through the super rich 88% beef, Taco Bell beef. And, you know. It's got to get through the fakeness and the oatmeal that's in there. Mm. And the Diablo it makes sauce it slide that, down better. Oh, yeah. It makes it slide down smooth and nice. And it like really propels it out the other end as well. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I knew exactly what I was doing when I said it. It was allowing Chris to continue with his grossness there. Yes. Okay. Anyways, uh, again, someone already put my number one already in the comments. I'm cheating again. Because you tried to get to get Chick-fil-A here. There's actually a sauce of Chick-fil-A that does not come in one of those little containers, James. And it's the honey roasted barbecue sauce that they have in the packets. It is 
absolutely my favorite sauce in in the packets. Now, if I was yep. if I was going to Chick-fil-A, I would be getting Chick-fil-A sauce or any of those other things. But for the sake of this argument, honey roasted barbecue sauce from Chick-fil-A is amazing. It's my number one. I knew, it's I knew the Ryan only right number there. one above Diablo sauce. Even. So I knew Ryan was going there and I knew I was going to start this argument. Uh, that sauce is wildly overrated. Oh. Drastically. The only reason people like it is because oh, our, Chick-fil-A's... Ardell, hey, Ardell and I are going to fight you over here, Chris. The you're only gonna, reason people lose. like it, people who like barbecue sauce get it every time at Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A's normal barbecue sauce is garbage. It is terrible. It's not garbage. It's, it's just it's not compare, pretty bad. Compare their barbecue not... sauce to the rest of their sauce lineup. Now it's their, garbage. Okay, okay, their barbecue, fair, fair. in my opinion, their barbecue sauce loses to Wendy's barbecue sauce. And I, that's I, saying I, something. I knew you were going to say that, James. Of course you say that. You love Wendy's. That's no, the only no. barbecue. That's the only sauce that beats anything at Chick-fil-A, okay? I don't Let love Wendy's, it. and I agree with James. So, yes, the honey barbecue whatever from the packet at Chick-fil-A is better than their barbecue sauce. But that's only because their barbecue sauce is trash. If you had any other barbecue sauce, it would be so much better than the Chick-fil-A honey barbecue. And people also just like it because it's kind of secret. It's not laid out. You got to ask for it. You got to ask the person. Be like, hey, can I uh, can, can I have this, please? And then they give it to you. You say, thank you. And they say, my pleasure. And people like that. They like feeling exclusive. So overrated as heck. I don't know what you're talking about because they leave it laying out in some restaurants that I've seen. Now, some have it behind the counter. Some have it like in that Most little have it behind the thing. Counter. No, they don't. No, they don't. So. Although okay. my in and out sauce is the exact same way. So I kind of just invalidated my own argument. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, okay. So nice. before we, before we wrap everything up, I don't know if James is going to have a, an opinion on this, but I know Chris will. And do we want to spend another like five minutes? Sure. Okay. I'm going to open this can of worms. Yeah, I don't care what you want. It's, it's going to go. Okay. Uh, the college football playoff. Do you oh, agree with me. the decision? Uh, so, so I remember a time way, way back in the day, uh, A&M had, had a pretty, pretty good schedule, you know, had one loss. It was to the number one team in the country and it happened in week two and they didn't get in, you know, kind of crazy, kind of weird how that happened. Um, and I have another team that has a loss in week two and it's to a, a team that's not, they're not even number one. They're number three. Somehow, somehow they're number three and they get in. It's kind of interesting. Um, also, it's just kind of against my religion that I agree. The ACC is weak. Bad, bad conference. I agree. I don't care. If you're a group of five team and you are undefeated, not a group of five, a power five team and you are undefeated, you have to be in the playoff. That makes no sense. I understand Florida State is probably overrated. And I kind of agree. I don't care. The principle of it is wrong. And this is kind of the first time that I've like stepped out of my, like my physical plane within the college football world. And I've looked like, and I've looked at it and I'm like, Hmm, maybe there is an sec bias. Are you kidding? (laughs) Of course there's an sec bias. There has always been an sec bias. When you look at the facts of that, and this is what I think. I, I think Florida State got screwed. Oh, I think yeah, they got I screwed. agree. They 100% got screwed. And I know some people are saying, yes, they got screwed. And 
yes, also, you know, they got the right teams in the playoff. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, I, I know you don't agree with Texas being in, but who are you going to put instead of Texas and Alabama? Because it, it was Michigan, who probably shouldn't be in it anyways because of their cheating scandal. Some people are saying, oh, that. come on. Um, no. And we, can't, Washington, we can't go into that. That is not cheating. Washington, who uh, who who was an obvious lock, and then the other two spots were kind of up in the air. It seemed like for everybody else. I mean, you could put Georgia in there. You could put uh, Florida State in there. You could put Texas in there. I don't know. So here's I like JJ Watt's solution. If you saw his his solution on X, make it a six team playoff. Uh, Washington and and Michigan get a first round by, and then three, four, five, and six get to play in the first round of the playoffs. And that's what happens next year, and I think that'll be great. Come next year, there'll be a lot less of these kind of arguments. But I'm also gonna. It, it seems like we're being too nice. I, mean, I was too mean to Alabama, and wasn't mean enough to Texas. So I kind of feel like as an Aggie, I need to uh, go after them a little bit more. Uh, t- Texas has has a good win. They got one good win. It's a pretty good one. They beat Alabama in week. But they did it at home. Not many people beat Alabama at home. Uh, some a certain team started that trend in, in their first year at the SEC. The Texas did a little early, but whatever. After that, you know what their next game against a ranked opponent was? Losing the Red River rivalry to Oklahoma, who is now mm-hmm. not even in the top 10. Their next, win, their next win against a ranked opponent? Oklahoma State in the championship game. You beat two ranked teams, one of them being in the second week of the season, the other being Oklahoma State. And you're in the playoff, and you lost to Oklahoma? That's why That's why I've said for a long time that even six or eight teams is not enough. It's not enough. Or, no, six turn is going to be good. No, you got to turn this into... You got to turn... The, the way the FCS does it, I know you don't like it, Chris. The way that the FCS does it is the right way. It's a true playoff format. That's just how it's, I do. It's just like Texas high school football is a true playoff format. It is. Texas high school football is a true playoff format where pretty much everyone gets a participation trophy and gets to go in. No, oh, that's true. The, the first round is a joke. The first round oh. is a joke. But yeah. Okay. That, that, that is a great Anyways. It, I mean, no, no, what? not anyways. You say we need more than 18. I would give you eight. Maybe eight would work. But I 16, mean, I, I, at least eight. At least eight is what I'm saying. What would you go up to? What would you go up to? The highest I would go up to is probably 16. 16 would 16. be my ideal. Okay. Yes. No, let's go look at the rankings real quick. I mean, we're already way off the rails. So, I mean, why not keep <laughs> I, it going? I knew I knew this was going to open a bag of worms with you, Chris. So yeah, I figured. Yeah, I'd... sorry, James. You're going to have to hang on to this for a little bit. You really think? <laughs> let's just go to number eight. You think Oregon is the number? They're number eight team in the country. Do they have any chance on God's green earth to beat Michigan? They could. What James percentage chance would you give them to beat Michigan? I don't know, but you, if you it's never give them a chance, then you're never going to be able to see it. It's next to zero. <laughs> I think it's you. There's no reason for Michigan to play Oregon in a playoff game. If you it's gonna never, be a terrible football game, Michigan's going to destroy them. It would be no good. If you never allow these the the Cinderella runs to happen, 
then they're not going to happen. And that's really what they makes the money for to happen. Teams. Oregon lost to Washington twice. You lose to Washington twice, you don't get to be in the playoffs. I yeah. disagree. I disagree. Why? That's silly. Why did they get a third chance wait, to beat Washington? Why, wait, why, why did they play twice? That's weird. They're in the same conference. They played in the championship game. Oh, okay. The conference. Okay. The Man, conference we're championship. Trying, this guy doesn't right. even own their same conference, and he's trying to give me opinions about college football. What the heck? This it's, is not a, it's not a real... James is actually what? What packet James, are you stop eating? Stop eating James? honey in the episode. He's I'm actually upset. eating. <laughs> I'm upset in the episode. Thank you guys for listening. I opened a bag of worms with Chris. I think I've made him more confused and I've made him upset by the end of this episode. Thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook for being our sponsor. Go and use that promo code THPN the next time you go and use their services. Thank you guys for listening. Those of you that are listening live, there's even more of you that are listening afterward. Please consider using uh, your whatever service you have and uh, leave a five-star review, whether that be Spotify or Apple podcasts or anything uh, where you listen to your podcast, Google podcasts, even leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. So along with Chris, who is very hacked off at me and James, who is eating a honey packet. My name is Ryan. (laughs) We will catch you guys on the flip side. We hope you guys have a good, fantastic evening afternoon, morning, whenever you guys are listening. We'll be back with you guys again tomorrow. We'll be back with you guys again tomorrow when the Stars have another game. We'll see you guys later.